morning we continue in Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 21. Jesus left that place and went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Just then a Canaanite woman from the region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. He answered, It is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the word of God for the people of God. Matthew tells us this story of Jesus meeting this Canaanite woman. It's important that he tells us she's a Canaanite woman because that clues us in that she is a Gentile. She is outside his normal circle of concern. Jewish men, Gentile women, they did not have dealings in public. So he can ignore her. She is beyond the care and concern of a pious Jew. And so that's exactly what he does. He ignores her. But she persists. She continues to come. Matthew says she's come screaming at first, boldly screaming. He ignores her, but then she comes again and says to him in uh, verse 25, Lord, help me. He answered, it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Now, I understood that Jesus was saying no, but it's only with the help of our biblical scholars that we really begin to understand the intricacies of this verse. They agree that when Jesus uses the term children, he does not, does not mean small people, does not mean the kids in the area. He means the children of Israel. He means the Jews. And when he uses the term dogs, most of the commentators also agree that that's a derogatory term Jews use for Gentiles. It's a way to express the difference between the clean and the unclean, the in-group and the out-group. So he's saying, I don't have to deal with you. I'm not going to do this. But she is not deterred. He says it'll deter me from my mission, but she is not deterred. She continues to come. After she says again, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Matthew tells us that Jesus answered her, woman, great is your faith. He's not wanting to respond to her, but she continues to ask for help. Now, we can remember if we've been reading through Matthew that not so many stories back, Matthew tells us that John the Baptist was beheaded. It's Jesus' cousin, the one who baptized him. And he goes away, Matthew tells us, seemingly to grieve. But the crowds continue to come. The Pharisees continue to come and debate. As you read through Matthew, he has no downtime. He has no grieving time. So I think it's safe to assume he's still trying to get away. He's tr still trying to deal with his grief. 
And now, here is this assertive woman. She just will not leave him alone. She continues to press. He says, though, it's like giving the children's food to the dogs. It's almost as if he said she is a female dog. We have another word for that that we use sometimes, even today, to refer to assertive women. I don't want to overstate the point, but Jesus does not seem to respect her much. He doesn't really seem to be giving her any credence, but she continues to press. She uses his own metaphor. Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. He reverses his position. He's been observing the customary practice of his day, what his culture and his religion had taught him is that she's outside his circle of concern. But she's continued to press until he decides that she is right, that he should respond to her. She does not argue that his primary mission is to the Jews. She simply argues that's not his entire mission. She doesn't say, oh, you shouldn't be doing that, you should do this. She just says, isn't there something that you could do? Is there any way that you might help? And he sees the point. He reverses his position. He expands his circle of concern. And Matthew says when he does, God acts and the child is healed. I think everyone there must have been really surprised that he's decided to deal with this woman at all. It's a surprising turn of events Considering who he was and what day this was happening in, I think it must have gotten very quiet when she came back a second time and a third time. I think the tension was probably thick. I think they expected that he was going to rebuke her one more time. But rather, he says, woman, great is your faith. He responds in a positive way at that point to a woman he otherwise could have overlooked lovett weems is a united methodist pastor he does a lot of research about church and culture he writes a number of books and one of his books he reminds us of the time when there was a fellow named jim jones who gathered a group of people around him and it ended so very poorly when they took a murder suicide ritual and over 900 people died but Ween says, I bet you don't know this part of the story. Years later now, there are still over 250 bodies that have never been claimed. They were not connected to anybody that came to find them. They were so disconnected, nobody knows their name. Nobody knows who they are. They are just bodies at this point. And Weems uses that as an illustration to remind all of us who are United Methodists to think about who's invisible around us. Who do we overlook? Who might be disconnected near us? Who in your community needs to be connected? Who needs the care and acceptance Christ offers? 
is his question to us. He suggests we do this. Think about the literacy rate in your church, he says, and then think about the literacy rate in your community. Who might you help? He says, think about the ethnic mix of your community and the ethnic mix in your congregation. Think about the number of single people in your community and the number of single people in your church. Think about those with disabilities in your community and how many are here at the church. He challenges us as United Methodists to look around, to expand our circle of concern, to perhaps see those that otherwise we would overlook. He says, oh, we might want to ignore the reality. We might say, you know, it's really not my problem. Yet we may also find God surprising us in the cry of those underserved groups calling out, have mercy on me, Lord, help me. We might be surprised by how God calls us. I think certainly those who were with Jesus that day were surprised that he reversed himself, that he decided to deal with this woman, that he decided to serve her need, that he decided to stop and overcome his prejudice and his preconceptions and his preoccupations so that he might respond to her need and the need in her family. Where might God be surprising you by calling you to serve someone in need? All this month, we're talking about the vows we take. We say that we'll participate here fully through our prayers, our presence, our gifts, our service, and our witness. We talked about prayer all during July. We've talked about presence and how important it is for us to gather here that when we're all together is often when God acts and the revelation of who God is and how God is at work in our lives happens when we're present together. I talked about gifts last week. I pressed you some about how you were using your gifts and if you were making decisions about giving out of fear or out of faith. Were you willing to follow where Jesus calls in terms of using your gifts? Were you willing to take a step in faith and risk a little bit in terms of giving a portion of what God has given you in terms of your commitment to Christ? Now this morning we focus on service. And I suggest that if we listen intently to the call of God, God may surprise you in terms of how God is calling you to serve. There's been some surprising things that have happened since I've come here. We started a Thursday night dinner and worship service working with people in transition who some of which are dealing with mental health issues. Now, I didn't come to Boston Avenue planning to do that kind of thing, but we heard the cry of those who were in need. We began to talk to people who worked in that sector of our culture, and they said, you know what? We can provide some services, but there's nary a church that really invites people with mental health issues into their church at all. And Reverend Paul Stott said, I think we can do something about that. And he and Lisa Hines, one of our members, organized this Thursday night dinner and service. We're now running over 100 people on Thursday nights, eating together, worshiping, participating in Holy Communion. We've had baptisms there. We've had people join the church in that service. People have come to faith. 
But you know what? You could show up and eat there. It would be an act of service to develop a relationship with somebody new in our congregation. Or you could come early and help prepare and set up. Or you could stay late and help clean up. It would be an act of service. Robin Williams' death this week has been all over the news. It reminds us how desperate the need is when one is struggling with mental health issues to be surrounded by a community of love and support. I think we can serve in that way. Maybe God is calling you to serve in that way. Oh, there's been other surprising opportunities that have come our way. We've been invited to develop an orchestra for poor children. It's an opportunity to serve the materially poor through using our expertise in classical music. Now, there again, I didn't come to Boston Avenue. I'd never heard of this program, El Sistema. But what we've discovered is it's a stellar bridge to help moving children and their whole families out of poverty. It helps them break the poverty cycle. We have found that if we can get a child into an orchestra setting and learning to play classical music, their grades go up, their behavior problems go down. It's almost a miracle the changes that it creates within their life. We know it changes the way their brains develop. Well, it's expensive to buy instruments for a whole orchestra, but there's a group of us working on that to see if we couldn't institute it. Our Oklahoma United Methodist Foundation has asked us to establish one in Tulsa if we are willing, so we're working on that. It might be a place where you could serve. It might be a place where you could help. I think it's a place that we're going to be able to serve Tulsa in a remarkable way. But you can also serve here on Sunday morning. These people are serving. They come on Wednesday nights and rehearse and prepare to lead us in worship, to raise our spirits, to move us into the presence of God. Maybe you want to join the choir. Or we have greeters and ushers. They're always looking for someone that's willing to help, who can smile and shake hands. Can you do that? You would be a candidate if you could do that. Or greeters in Sunday school, or you could teach Sunday school. Lots of ways to serve. On Sunday morning, you could sign up to be a part of our prayer team. We receive prayer requests every week. There's a team of people, of Boston Avenue members, who commit to each other that they'll pray through that list during that week. And then we get new ones the next week. You could be on the prayer team. That might be a way that God is calling you to serve. But we also have short-term kind of opportunities, short-term service. We're going to be raising up a host of opportunities to fight hunger. Did you know September is Hunger Awareness Month? We're going to give you lots of opportunities. Probably so many you're going to get tired of me talking about hunger in September. But there are people going to bed hungry in Tulsa. There are hungry people around the world. I think we should serve them. I think we can help. I think God's calling us to do so. So we're going to do the crop walk. Now, we've been doing that for decades here. You could walk with us, though, and learn something about what it's like to have to walk just to get water or food every day. Or you could make a donation to support those who do the walk. We're also starting a new program called Stop Hunger Now. One of our United Methodist laypersons here in the U.S. figured out how to put together a little baggie full of food, nutritious and inexpensive, that could feed a whole family. If we would package it here in the U.S., he figured out that we could provide thousands of meals very inexpensively to fight hunger around the world. Now, you have to pay for the materials, but we've already had a generous donor step up and pay for all the materials, so we're going to ask you to come on a couple of different occasions 
to package up the food so that somebody else might have a meal to eat who's hungry today but won't have to be in a month or two. You could be a part of that. You could be a part of a canned food drive. You could go to the food bank. There's so many opportunities to serve. Where is God calling you? Which opportunity do you feel prompted to respond to in terms of serving God? Now, I can't do it all. You can't do it all. But I can do some of it. You could do some of those things. We plan a number of -of out-of-town mission trips here at Boston Avenue. We have one going in October to El Paso, Texas. Lydia Patterson Institute is a United Methodist institution. They work with Hispanic students. They work particularly on English literacy. So we'll be helping them become more literate in English. They've been able to move their student population where over 98% of them are going on to college. It's a great accomplishment. We're going to be a part of helping them. So if you're touched by that, you may want to think about going on an out-of-town mission trip. But you don't have to leave town because you know right here in Tulsa, in Tulsa Public Schools and other surrounding districts, there's children that come to school that don't know how to speak English. They're from non-English-speaking families. So you could be a reading buddy. You could be a tutor. You could go and talk to a student. You could volunteer to help out. You could change a life. If you decided that God was calling you in that way to take a step in faith to help someone else out. We have a partner elementary school. Burles, they're crying out for help. They need some help. They need us to serve. It's just three miles from here. You could be a part of JA for a day where you go and teach in a classroom for a day. You could volunteer to be an assistant to a teacher. You could go to their programs. There's so many ways that you could participate if you sense God's call and you believe that part of that call was to serve others, maybe to serve children. We'll give you an opportunity next month to bring supplies. Some children go to school without the supplies they need to learn. We could change that. We will change that. You'll have an opportunity to be a part of that next month. We'll give you more details on that. But there's all kinds of ways right here in the building to help as well. I've asked Paula Gradney Garner to work with our nursery and provide more greeters. I think we need more smiling faces, welcoming young people who are bringing their children for the first time to the church to assure them we love them, we want them here, we're going to take care of them. You could be a greeter If you can say hello and smile and welcome them, it might be a great gift to one of those young families looking for a church home. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about that as a place of service? Or this morning in the last hour, we started confirmation studies for our sixth graders and some of our middle school students. They all need a friend in faith, we call them. It's an adult walking along with them, talking about the things they're learning. You could be a friend in faith and serve in that way. Or there's a number of our middle school students that are working on a program for us, sort of a variety of shows, singing and dancing. They'll present here in a few weeks. It's called Mosaic. I'll tell you about it when we get closer. If you would just show up and support them in the program, listen to them, applaud, it would be an act of service. Oh, it would take an hour or two out of your Sunday afternoon, but it might just change a life. Do you remember middle school? I remember middle school. It was awkward. I was awkward. Things kind of growing out of control. I was short and skinny, and some would say squirrely. (laughs) I tried the band. 
it wasn't for me. I tried every sport my school had. The coaches said, it's not for you. <laughs> I tried vocal music, but my voice was changing and squeaky. I couldn't carry the tune. I decided choir wasn't for me. But I needed some support. I needed some support. And you know where I found it? The First Methodist Church in Okmulgee, Oklahoma. That was my home church. You know, there were adults there that knew me, that knew my name, that spoke to me on Sunday morning, even as a middle school student, and acted as if I was important. That I was significant enough that they would take their time to talk to me. It really impacted my growth and development. It changed who I was. It helped me find a place. Even though I was small and squirrely and probably talked too much in Sunday school, they invited me back. They invited me to youth group. I got to go to camp. I got to learn about God's love for us through Jesus Christ and how he loved me and how he loves all of us. And I realized I had an opportunity to share that as well. Oh, we make a vow to serve and when we do, it changes lives. Matthew says Jesus met this Canaanite woman, and he wanted to ignore her, and he wanted to say no to her, but finally he responded to her, and when he did, it activated God's love in such a way that her child was healed, and her life and the life of her family was changed forever. The good news is, whenever, wherever, any one of us respond, the power of God is activated, and somebody else comes to know the great love of God for them through Jesus Christ. Let us be a people of surprising service in the name of Christ. Amen, and thanks be to God.